welcome, one and welcome. Hello, hello. It is I, Young Shiro, and my cohort, Skeleton Lipstick, here for another episode of the Vaporwave Talk Show Hot Takes. We've got an extremely exciting episode for you tonight, y'all. A moment I've dreamed of for years. We've got 18 Carat Affair gracing our presence with a -a tete-a-tete with us and you tonight for two hours. I can hardly wait to begin. But just some housekeeping. If you're new to Hot Takes, we welcome you. We thank you for coming. If you are um, if you were the, a questioning type of person or an arguing or a debating type of person, great. You've come to the right place. No holds barred. Just keep it clean. Punching up is great. Punching down, prohibited. Um, mm-hmm. For longtime fans, thank you again. I see some... Some OG homies in here, Lux Elite, Saturn Foo, Fighting Island, Syllabus, Pacific Plaza, Vapor Space. Hello, guys. Thank you for being here. Um, we got uh, some, some new faces, and I'm excited to see you all. Keep us on keep us on our best behavior. Keep me in the know about my levels, about Chris's levels. Yeah, let me know uh, how I sound. Make sure I'm sounding okay. I think Chris oh, sounds hey, echoey. 18 Carat Affair disagrees. Yep. So... Once the good doctor starts talking, if he sounds echoey, let us know so we can fix that. Um, let us know if the music's too loud, etc. And then one last point of order. If you like hot takes and you want to support, invite a friend, post about it, tweet it, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, or if you feel so led, you can press the exclamation point and type donate, as I have just done. And you can follow that link to give us a small donation if the spirit moves you, as Chris says. Uh, the spirit totally, I do say that all the time. To borrow your phraseology. It's totally optional, guys, but it's very much uh, appreciated. Uh, I want to thank, I believe it was Luxury Noise, for, for his uh, generous donation last week. One other thing that I almost forgot. If you have an emoji, let her rip in Bruh. the chat, and it'll fly across the screen. So Bruh. anytime somebody has an opinion, you can type Bruh. a heart or a smiley face, or you can type an angry face or whatever you want, and it'll float Ooh. across the screen. That's fascinating. I know oh, look, the there's thing, the yeah. bop emoji and a little puppy dog. So for those of you that are listening in to podcasting services, we got some vapor space hearts, lots of bop emojis. So y'all can let her rip if you think I have a stinker of an opinion or Dr. Chris is is, is right. Um, let her rip. Um, anyways, oh, we got disco. Oh, my God. Boy, they're going nuts with those. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> we're going to start the night off with Chris's recommendations. Yes, yes, yes. Hold on, I'm just... Okay. So, um, okay, first album that I would like to draw a little attention to is an album I've been listening to a lot lately, which is Darren Shields' new album, uh, Platinum Phantom. Uh, It's a really fun take on Vaporwave. It feels like very found sound, like someone almost walking around in an area with a tape recorder and recording what's going on, but it's like they're walking around inside their own mind. So it's like you're walking, the, the, the place that they're capturing found sound from is actually their own imagination or their own memories. It's a combination of like their own nostalgia for things, but their own like sort of warped version of it. Like this isn't exactly how it sounds, right? It's clearly like the, the, the sounds have been bent and they also blend together a lot. There's a lot of collaging going on. And that's kind of how memory works in general and how thoughts work in general so. is the idea of memory and you know, colliding together with... Um, you know, actual memory, but also collide together with fabrication. You know what I mean? Like uh, in like a sort of weird gestalt manner where everything just kind of comes out at once. 
So, you know, it's really fun too because it bounces around from these soundscapes and nothing sounds the same too, but nothing really, ever, no thought is ever really the same that we have either. And even the memories we have of music we've heard isn't the same as what it is, right? And I always thought Absolutely. that was kind of an interesting way of approaching when you're constructing something within a vaporwave context. And I enjoy the fact that the sometimes you know, you'll, you'll, you think it's going one place, but then all of a sudden you get like a little, like a little pop song, sort of. But it's like a vaporwave pop song, and it's so interesting. And it's a fascinating album, and it's a fun little journey. And like, once again, I'd just like to recommend that album by Darren Shields. And it's what on Pacific Plaza right now. Oh, yeah. Shout out to very fun person. Plaza. Yeah, I very, really appreciate Darren's approach to everything with this. I was supposed to help collaborate on one of those songs, but I got a little bit too short notice to do so. So, yes. but next time I do, I do want you can't to. Just crank them out overnight, huh? I can, man. I've been in a bit of a funk lately. Anyway, I've been trying to get some things done. I, I got a bunch of stuff coming out that will be done soon, but it's been hard for me to get things done lately. Um, I've been going through some things, only but I'm. You know, and so, oh, thank you. Uh, but anyhow, check out, I do want to work with Darren at some point very much down the line. But check out this album. It's Shout really fun. Darren. It's really Can interesting. It's very unique. And um, I like it. Once again, I'll just go back to how I described it. Like, someone kind of walking around with a tape recorder and the place they're walking around and capturing found sound from is their own mind. Um, another thing I'd like to recommend is, uh, oh, sorry, pardon me one second here. Somebody said Darian Shields is a character from... Um... Sailor Moon today. I think oh, it was it? Sailor Moon. How fun. Not sure um, how true that is, but pretty cool. I wonder I wanna recommend Device Operator's album, Cherry Fortune. Very cool. This is, is a that very the fun one. Is it on it's on Bizcas? He's got a Bizcas release. I don't remember. I think this one's on Neon City actually. Hmm, very cool. I think this one's on Neon City. It's <laughs> a really interesting album because you know, you, it's a really interesting take on 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 vaporwavy future funk. It's very stuttery. It's very the beats are very uh, complicated and intelligent. It doesn't go anywhere where you think it's going to go, and then where it takes you is is really fascinating and fun. And it's a very bouncy album, but it's original sounding. Like I don't really think I've heard too much that sounds exactly like it. There's these very like. Like the, the the beat patterns and the beat grids are very stuttery, and they kind of um, you kind of you kind of have to like stick with it for a minute, and then all of a sudden when you stick with it, you find the groove that it's going on, and you're like, oh, very interesting, sir. I didn't mm. expect that kind of groove. There's one song on it that uh, it's called I think it's called Mojito, and like I bump that one all the time because it's just gotcha. so much fun. But it's really interesting too because like you look at it, and it does seem like okay, well this is clearly like the imagery is very future funk, and so you expect. You think you know what you're going to hear by looking at it, and you don't. It does take you in a lot of different directions. And so if you're looking for something that's within the future funk genre that maybe, I don't know, is trying is trying to do something um, kind of a little bit daring, honestly, uh, check it out. Because, like, it is, it is like, you know, it is, like, like challenging. And I kind of liked that I found it a bit challenging. So, uh, and then I, and then I was like, oh, this is, this is very, like, this really made me made me want to go out and start playing around with some different types of beats and some different types of rhythms. So yeah, I'm going to recommend Device Operators, Cherry Fortune as well. And uh, just one other person I want to recommend is um, is Home and Office. And not even a specific album by Home and Office, mm. but uh, I just started kind of really getting into them lately. And they're, they're you know, they sound basically like, you know, a Microsoft Excel, you know, background uh, soundtrack but just gone kind of crazy and like developed Very a life cool. of its own and kind of developed a personality as if like the instructional CD, 
this as if the it's really like talented songwriting and like it's really interesting and i can't tell what's going on i can't tell if this is i can't tell if this is stock music or if this is someone writing it i think it's somebody writing it i can't exactly tell but home and office uh home and then the ampersand office i think it's all one word and it's just been sort of captivating me lately because i am like well this sounds like once again as i mentioned a a an instructional video for how to use Microsoft Excel or some sort of uh, workplace software, but that has kind of like gone off on its own and decided to be sentient. And 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 when it be decided to be sentient, the thing about things that when we make these sorts of music where like something that's not supposed to be sentient decides to be sentient, we always kind of characterize it in sort of a dark way, True. like a kind of like, like a, a scary way. Type thing. But really, this kind of is whimsical. Like this is like it went to it yeah, developed fun. its own soul, and, it, and it's whimsical. And I kind of like, like a Pinocchio that type, like wants to be real type vibe, or you know what, maybe, yeah, or not even. It's not, there's not much longing. It seems pretty secure in the fact that it is real, and it's just kind of like having fun with the fact that it's alive. And I like that. So I like that. I'm gonna recommend that as well. Okay. Damn, you can review an album. Holy shit. I should have had you oh. writing for TSQ Dance back in the day. Oh, I would have been honored, sir. One last thing uh, before we talk about hot takes. Um, the ad that you saw before the show started is for Polyglot's album. Y'all check it out when it comes out on Pacific Plaza. Only Pacific Plaza Records. Um, I want to talk about longevity and coming up in the scene and how... There is no perfect pathway. This is something we talk about with every single one of our guests. Um, it's been a conversation that's come up a lot in Discord servers that I've been in recently, and we've probably talked about it before as a previous hot take. But I just want to remind everybody, Rome was not built in a day. You know, um, Chris, I think you can probably remember when you were just kind of like noodling around and you didn't really know much of anybody and, and nobody was, mm -hmm. I don't want to say nobody was listening to your stuff, but you hadn't really kind of like, come into your own yet you didn't have a following yes. and i certainly remember screaming into the void for years before yes. Yes. meeting the right people like you and in a handful of other people and and just making connections and, and networking and making friends really more than anything there's a lot of people mostly people that are younger than us um which is you know understandable that that get really disappointed really quickly early on when they don't just come into a just huge, massive success with a physical album release on business casual, you know, within the first year or so of, of producing music. And I just want to kind of just mention, you know, um, I, I'm not an artist, but, but you know, as a DJ and writer, it took a long time to to meet people and it's it's not something that you can force it has to happen organically i mean you have to put in work for sure but it's it's about community and friendships more so networking and like selling at least i yep. feel like there is a time and a place for that as well of course but i just want to you know put in an encouraging note and of course have you kind of dovetail off of this when i'm done and just remind everybody don't be discouraged. Keep doing your thing. Some of your early stuff you put out, or if you're like me and you're DJing, some of your early mixes you're probably not going to like later on anyways. You might want to keep them back as like a Patreon fans-only type thing. I agree with Syllabus. Isaac, you are an artist. Oh, thank you, Syllabus. Um, and a second, um, our dear friend Syllabus. Yeah, a dear friend of the show who, of course, we shouted out during just, the intro. Oh, but, um, one, of my, one of my favorite people in general. Yeah, honestly. I'm so glad really we Really just everything they say. It's just wonderful. So if you're that new was to the such scene, good or if you're not that new, maybe you've been at it for a few years and you're still not getting a whole lot of bites, you're not making a lot of money, people, you know, have not discovered you yet, 
maybe show your work to other people based on how you feel like it would integrate into their already existing interests and palette. Like, for instance, let's say you make a shoegaze album or a shoegaze-esque album. Show it to your friends that are into that, right? Don't just plug your album and dip in Facebook DMs or on Discord servers. Get to know people. Make friends. I mean, Chris is way better at networking than I am, so I can't wait to see what your retort is. But make some friends and recommend your things to people based on their interests. You know, and and it'll happen. Do it for you. Don't do it for the fame or the clout or definitely not for the vapor money, as a DJ Sugar C would say. <laughs> Anyways, what do you say? What do you think? I agree with everything you just said. I actually want to give another uh, dimension to what you just said. So here's the thing. You, you know, eventually you do kind of end up meeting people and networking and making a lot of friends. And, um... <laughs> Well, that's DJ Sugar C is here. He said hello he to that. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, check out that album. Um, so uh, anyway, my thing actually is that like, you know, eventually you kind of do get there and you do make a lot of, you do make friends and you do feel like you're part of a community and you do get a little bit of a following and you do network. And like, honestly, the tough part that happens after that is like you get tired or life True. gets you a little bit or you get down. And then like you kind of sometimes you're like, well, now I built now you did it. Now you did build a little bit of a following. Now you did make a bunch of friends. And now you're like, well, now I'm like tired. And I'm like, if I don't keep this up every day, am I going to oh, lose yeah. all the ground I've made? And trust me, I go through, I've gone through that. Sort yeah, that's of a scary feeling. Too. I go through that sort of feelings all the time. You know, for like the last, like, I don't even know how long it lasts, like fucking like 12 years that I've been doing this in this world. Right. And like, you know, where you go through these phases where you're like, I'm going through one right now where I don't have the amount of output that I have or I don't have the amount of presence I've had. I occasionally have had in like the little uh, vapor sphere because, you know, I've been like, you know, I've been going through some life stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Still going through some life stuff, still figuring out some things right now. And uh, you really can't put in the effort that you did. And like, I think like, I remember like Mesha talked about this before, and I've talked about him, I've talked about this with him before too, about how like, you know, it's like, well, sometimes you have a lot of energy to do all this stuff and like, you really do make a lot of progress. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, like, I no think shit, the thing right? is to, to learn to not beat yourself up about that as well. And to think, not think like, if I'm not producing something or talking to every single person every day, then I am going to be forgotten or I'm going to lose right. ground, Stagnate or people or are going to think that I don't have the, the kind of influence I used to have. You can't get caught up in that kind of thinking either. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, I've, I've definitely been there. It's a you know insidious what I mean? thought loop that'll actually cause problems once you start letting it like, yeah, man. rent like, free in your head. And like, once again, like I've had to like step back a little bit while I figure out some things in my personal life. And, uh, and then you sort of think like, oh no, like, am I like, should I be like still making sure I do all the live streams and tweeting and retweeting right. and like talking to me and encouraging people because you want to, you know what I mean? You like it, but you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself either with that too. You know what I mean? So like, give yourself a you break. Isaac, you're good. As long as you text Isaac, you're good. <laughs> He's right. I have to tell you, yes. As long as you text Isaac, you're good. Um, so, you know, like. Give yourself a break when you're trying to get there, and then maybe when you get there, don't think that it's like you have to do it every day or else. <laughs> no, just just do it when you feel like doing it. This. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> like it's, exe to sorry. Someone ban him. Oh, he says <laughs> leaving Isaac on red is self care. <laughs> oh no. Something. No. Well, no, no. what do you say we bring our good friend 18 Care to Fair on to see what they think about that? 
Because I want to say they brought a, a, a new album out not long they ago do? after a short hiatus. Long. Anyways, <laughs> the great. moment you've Fun. all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. 18 Carat Affair, go ahead and unmute yourself, brother. How are you guys doing? Wow. Love doing great, Dennis. the visual setup, my guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I got all the machines on here tonight. Damn. Oh. I, I, as I told you the other night, I would not have expected anything less. The chat is going wild, by the way. Um, can't see it. You can't yeah. see it? Just put it up uh, on your phone, dude. I, don't have, uh, I just have kind of the visual stuff open. Let's not um, dogpile well, you, you can, you, this early on. You could open it up on your phone. I don't have a phone. I'll take a look. Okay. I actually live in <laughs> But it's fine. Um, what do you think about what we uh, what we talked about? Do you did did you struggle to come into your own? Did did you? What was your experience? Because Chris is going to ask this eventually, so you know, like like gaining traction with people yes. listening. I want to know how the um, traction started and how long it took, and if you ever came to a point where you were discouraged or. Sure, um, you know, not so much. Um, I I think music. To me, music's a kind of a personal expression, you know? Um, Very much so. It's a kind of a long game. I like to think of it as as like seeds you're planting. Um, mm-hmm. So w- with every album, especially at the beginning, you know, I, I feel like there was less people listening. There's less ears gotcha. that you have to be considerate of. It was a lot easier to um, just think, like, no one's going to care about this. No one's going to hear it. So I'm going right. to everything up to 14 um yeah. okay so you use and, that to just kind of like no holds barred i i shouldn't say i used it it's just you know when you just yeah. start something you know it's amorphous it, 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 it's it's whatever you want it to be you're still trying you to find correct. yourself and the techniques you use um i mean the first thing i put out like i recorded in high school throughout 2005 almost to 2010 wow and Amazing. uh I was I was using a uh, it was like a Boss Digital um, eight track. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. I think no, it was Fostex. It, oh, Fostex. Yeah, yeah. But it had all these like terrible um, amp simulators. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Damn. And so you know, I was just recording the songs through influence and through what I liked. And in that time, the the internet music world was run by like blog spots. Yes, yeah, very much so. Was. So occasionally, you know, once I, I found more of a fitting sound and, and, you know, kind of combined the right influence to a workflow I liked, I think I sent that out to a blog spot. And that was the first very traction cool. of someone being like, somebody check this out. And it was like four people liked it. And it felt, you know, I felt like I made it for a minute. Like validated. That, that was yeah. like... Yeah, when I started making music, and it was also obviously the same time as you, it was around, um, was blogs were the thing. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if I can just make something I'm proud of and send it to one of these blogs, and if somebody writes one thing about me, then, like, I've achieved everything. And then anything else after that is, like, is, is, is excess and wonderful. But, like, if I get one person to actually put the time in to write some beautiful words about what I've made, then that's that. That's like the biggest goal I could ever achieve, and now everything after that is 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 another fun thing. But that's really cool that someone did that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it um, it's really sad that we don't have those kinds of blogs anymore. Right. You know, that's I sort miss of those been days lost. Too. 
You know? Yeah, the, the digital marketing game you know, has an odor today. Um, yes. But that's that's pretty much it. And I've, I've always kept that mindset of, of, you know, I've never tried to make things for an outcome. I, you know, I, I fear expectation in a, to a degree. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot easier, I think, to naturally, you know, create, you know, create sounds you like, put out albums that you enjoy, that you like listening to. Absolutely. And over time, people find them and you get, you get a natural fan base when, when people hear the authenticity and, and what you're doing, you know, whereas you can take a shortcut through labels, but oftentimes you get trapped by, you know, figuring out what you want to be, what the label wants you to be and money and deadlines and right. uh, so i i don't think you know some people work that way some people want to be on a label and they their initial you know their compositional mindset is like i like i want to make this to have you know this outcome but um i've never thought that way i just i amass recordings and i put them out um it takes a little bit longer now with life's responsibilities but um that's the viewpoint I have. I think that's a really good perspective. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that is the thing that happens is like, the more we do this, when you first start, you know, you are a bit of like a ball of energy and it is amorphous and you don't know what the shape of it's going to be. And you don't even exactly know what your identity is as an artist yet. But there's, but every time you make a song, when you're starting, you're like, you get closer to figuring out like who you are. And I remember what I, you know, like sometimes you'll make an album or you'll make a, a song and be like, okay, this is like getting closer to who I am. And then once you start to figure out something that really, I don't know, is that a representation of your inner self, you're like, aha, I got to remember that. And like, that's something I can kind of share. This is the first thing I want to put out. And then once you find that a little bit, you kind of do like have this, you're energized and you can put out a lot of stuff. And, you know, because you've sort of found a little bit of yourself, but you haven't found an audience yet. So you just, just all this energy to keep releasing and releasing. And then you kind of do get attention. And then, you know, you start getting older and time passes and it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to have that same energy you had in the beginning. I don't know. What do you think about that? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I still have the same, um, like, approach and energy. You know, to a degree, I feel like you're met with, you're met with some invisible, uh, you know, almost like phantom that workflows with you. Um, yes. Where, you know, you'll start at square one with, with an idea or a concept or, you know, some chords that you're hanging on to. And then, you know, by the time you imprint the song on tape or, or you record however you, you record and you, like, there's this weird thing at play where by the time you start something from step one and by the time you're done, you know, there there's always an element where it's like, you know, you. I surprise myself with, you know, this is how it sounds, or this is how it all came together, or this is how. So it's like you're you're kind of like like sixty. You're, you know, you're you're in control for a good amount, but I think that, you know, as you work on something and once you put it out, and once it exists, once it's it's burnt into a timeline, it kind of becomes a stranger to a degree. Like it's it's its own thing and it grows its own way. But mm -hmm. back at step one, when you were thinking about it or, or, or recording it, you kind of you're unaware of how that outcome looks, at least for yeah. me, not for everybody. Fascinating. Yeah, we have a lot of questions already backlogged in the chat. If it's OK with y'all, I'm going to run one or two of them by you. Uh, All right. Fighting Island says really good question. 
Uh, I find an undercurrent or theme in your music and the samples you use, as well as your onstage presentation, alludes to a deviant persona slash serial killer. Can you speak on this at all? <laughs> um, a very astute observation. You know, it's you know, it's it's more like I take a lot of influence um, throughout music over time. I, I keep a lot of my ears in the past. Nice. Um, like I, I, I was really, in, I went through a stage where, like I, uh, the band Suicide of Alan Vega and Martin Rose. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I had when I found myself musically, it was very much in the, the post-punk, the antagonist, the, uh, the performative aspect of it, and mm-hmm. so, you know, what you get at with the live, you know, persona is my all these impression of. Uh, you know, of that suicide energy or, or mm. you know, being very straight-faced, being very straight-faced when you perform your songs. Right. You know, very kind of controlling the dynamic of how you're presenting things. Mm. Um, and then the music itself, you know, I've always found influence in kind of hazy, obscure, uh, you know, like the Colts, the Heaven's Gate, you know, the Jonestown, the... Uh, you know the Oklahoma bombing. I know it sounds heavy, but there's just this mystery. There's this there's this hazy mystery, mm-hmm. um, and I've kind of just always had that in the back of mind. Or when recording yeah. things, you know, I always tried to approach it like a, you know, like a, a melodramatic, you know, made for TV 1989 sound. You have a very so, Lynchian well type of mean, sound mean, and presence, presence, in my opinion. Yeah. So like, I mean those those two things together and and yeah. the evolution of it, you know, and the themes like you know I think the fourth album was televised tragedies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, there's that invisible nature where like it's like I'm just recording, I'm creating sounds, but there's some psychic energy. And it's a little um, unsettling. Yeah, very I mean, romantic, but very unsettling. That's, that's true, and that's the interesting thing about exploring those worlds that are so strange and slight and dangerous is that they are these bizarre deviations from the normal reality. You know what I mean? And they very are, surreal. they do possess a very strange energy to them, particularly with its occult-like leadership. And they might could actually Because you have, you have this, like, alternate reality that's very dark, and it's right there, and it's 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 here. You know what I mean? It's, it's underneath the, the currents of normalcy that exist in reality, but... Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, drawing from that is is a is a, is an interesting realm to explore, and also like kind of like the sort of stuff that I actually like the best in vaporwave in the vaporwave world is when people do like use these sound collages and these songwriting techniques to sort of see that un- that invisible world where there is a little bit of danger and a little bit of unsettling you know qualities. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, I do think it just it, it makes us confront some some ideas that. This is not that there are different energies out there, different ways of, of viewing the world, and it can be very dangerous out there and very interesting and uh, and kind of I don't know, just yeah. put, push us into different mindsets. And those things are worth confronting. You know what I mean? I think they build. I think they build like they build something in us. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's just a different like memory palace. It's a mm. memory palace. You know, it's a. Uh, it's hard to explain. It's just like it's, there just it's, wasn't as much there wasn't as much hyper connected, you know, what we have with the internet now. Where yeah, you, when right. you wanted to find music, it's like you you had to find somebody who knew about mm-hmm. that music. 
I mean, I'm an older guy, but um, it's just a different shift, you know, like like when I think of Waco and I think of these things, you know, these people were very happy. Mm-hmm. You know, that like there was right. no the nefarious, like it had a, an outcome that was, you know, emotional and strange. But all these things, you know, these people, they're, they're on an island. They, they can't pull up Google and, and um, you know, kind of search around and... and it's kind of like Plato's allegory of the cave. It's like you're yeah, you're in, like you're in that mode and you're in that moment. And I think that's that's been an influence to me is is the pockets of you know how people have just been on their own islands um, throughout I mean, culture and throughout Sonic. time and throughout history. Yeah. And it's a bit different today where everything's hyper. Mm-hmm. You know, you can explore everything. You got you know you got every music catalog in your pocket through. Um, you know, Spotify or streaming or Bandcamp searching or, you know, there's not as much of a of a, a bleak, you know, a yearning for, you know, how can I? It's for just mystery. in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Deep. Yeah. But it is interesting. There's Another... definitely still a kind of kind of bleakness to the current reality, though, of being of things being of the. It's almost an illusion of being so connected to everything. Like everything is right at your fingertips, but yet people do try and flatten themselves to a brand. You know, people yeah. do take their Instagrams and say, "This is what I'm about." Here's three words. It's just like food, culture, shopping, and then now that is who I am, and that's what I'm going to flatten myself to. You know what I mean? And you have this world where everything is connected, and you have everything at your fingertips, and people choose to brand themselves and it's crazy you know there's a bleakness to that too you know True. Yeah. i want to roll through another quick question if you don't let's mind, get to another question yeah the uh the next question will hang on uh the next question chat has us asked i believe it was syllabus who has been most influential to you throughout your years making art and music who has been most important to you throughout the years probably i view the genesis of conceptual um, creativity as like Lamont Young um, you know Lamont Young is a difficult sell it's um, without without kind of digging into him and and understanding you know his influence and his calculations and, and his theories behind things um, I think his DNA is found you know it's stacked upon and stacked upon um, you know, for example, he would he would find two frequencies, and he was he was kind of a maniac with tuning structures. Gotcha. Um, you know, when we sit at a keyboard, you know, you you see C through C, you know, it's Bach tempered tuning, it's twelve note scales. Um, and Lamont Young, you know, studied and understood all these different tuning methods, kind of like how Harry Parch did, or or John Cage, or those early kind of fifties, you know, music concrete artists. Uh, but Lamont Young, he, you know, he would, he would have two people playing a cello. You know, he would tune them extremely precise into a specific, to like to to the nth of an overtone. Yeah. And he would write compositions um, where it's just a C and a G in perfect justonic intonation, and it's played for 20 minutes. And that sounds that when you play it, when you put that, like if you're driving with someone in a car and you're like, check this out. They're probably gonna hate it, but yeah, you're gonna play like the well when you when you go, well, why did he do that? And then when you look in the linear notes and you see, um, you know, you'd see he'd write these eight page manifestos on why these two notes are played this way. Um, and so to me, Lamont Young kind of 
introduced conceptual thinking to sound uh, to i shouldn't say invented but he you know anything when i think about like vaporwave and how it's 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 kind of a a game of individual people recontextualizing a sound to Mm. a mindset they have maybe you can tap good point that's exactly right that is so perfectly worded right there it's exactly correct and it's really fun that you mentioned lamont young about this because you're right you can say maybe he didn't invent it but the elaboration the concept of elaborating on the purpose behind what's being done you're right you mentioned like oh like an eight page description as to what this is yeah and when you and when you just when you just like youtube lamont young and listen to it you know a lot of the people i've talked to they're just like oh (laughs) because they 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 they're like well you know it just sounds off you know it's 20 Mm -hmm. minutes of wailing um but you know he had very conceptual ideas and the reason why i say lamont young is his his dna he worked with all these people in san francisco you know so he um like the san francisco tape society you know he would play with lamont or he would play with terry riley a lot Hmm. um they both invented you know this was before we had really system this was before you had delay pedals, delay anything. Oh, wow. And so their idea was, you know, more so Terry Riley and an engineer mm-hmm. he worked with had the idea of, hey, if we, you know, if we take, if we take a tape machine and we cut a loop into a, you know, it can be a minute, it can be 40 seconds, it can be nine seconds. You cut a loop and you, you take two t- tape machines and you mix it so the first one records and then the second one plays back and it kind of loops and so it gives you a very unique delay system that he called time lag accumulation. Mm-hmm. Um, time lag accumulation. And I've used that in all my albums. I've you know where where you, it's a psychic energy. You you sit down and you play a note, and that note comes back eight seconds later. And so everything is based on a loop system, on a, a tape that loop system. That sounds lovely. And so, for my music, you know those you know those two guys, kind of that early tapes um san francisco society has always been in the fingerprints of stuff um Mm -hmm. some people are like well why is your song 28 seconds and it's you know it's due to that because of a length of tape it's it's just a circular piece of music that you can endlessly overdub and every time you add a, a note a vocal anytime you add a sound the tape slowly decays into a ghost of what it was and uh, so all the albums are, are recorded in that process, and I just take snippets of them and kind of structure the albums, so mm-hmm. to speak. I really like what you just discussed that. about the fact about recording on tape and causing it to slowly decay, because mm-hmm. in that decay, you do add that strange ghostly character to it, right? It's really fun to work with that sort of uh, medium where you affect it, like you, it's almost like you're, 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 you are creating a form of violence to that tape. Yeah. You are, you know, you are taking something that's blank and you're mm-hmm. scripting upon it over and over again, and you're just putting these, uh, you know, these these scratches into it that represent sound waves and ideas. You know what I mean? As opposed to doing it digitally, where it is clean, it's moving through a circuit board. This is like mm-hmm. a physical piece of tape, and you're just yeah. like. You're you're imprinting you know your ideas and your thoughts, right. and it and it it receives wounds like the tape itself yeah. gets wounded by all these different psychic energies that you're placing and sounds and that you're placing into it. Those yeah, it's like a fascinating idea in general. And it's one off. It's one off recording, uh, which you know, because the question was what's influenced. 
Um, and that's the process, you know, like like Terry Riley would. <laughs> Terry Riley, check out an album he did called called All Night Flight. Um, All I think night it was flight. in 1968, All Night Flight. And he had these, I, I, he I had a period though. of time in New York where he would, you know, it would just be him and a time lag accumulation system. You know, a, a fancy word for a very unstable tape delay. Nice. Um, oh. And he would just get, he would rent out these, these art centers and he would just play a saxophone all night. He'd play a saxophone for eight hours. And these people would, these people would be in there, you know, either sleeping, you know, either taking their acid, crying, um, <laughs> you know. And that's always been a huge influence. You know, that kind of immediate. This is the moment. Like, if you play a wrong note, you're stuck with that. Like, if your vocals off, you're stuck with that. Like, you're committing to every idea you have in the moment, and you don't. You know, it doesn't give you the time to be inconsistent. It doesn't give you the time to. You know, like where do I put the kick and where do I put the snare? It's its own compositional thought process. And you know, another group I liked that did the same thing was like Throbbing Gristle, which is much more aggressive. But mm -hmm. you know, they would play shows, and and whatever you got, you got. They turned their machines on, and the music they played is the music they played. Um, and there's no time when they were playing in the late '70s where they would play the same song the same way. And I've always loved, you know, that kind of immediacy and, and commitment to whatever you're doing. Mm. Very Damn. interesting. I love can it. I back? Can I back up for a Please moment do. and ask um, when? What was the first musical act that I don't know really kind of made you fall in love with music in general? Like, what spoke to you first? Like, let's go back to even when before you even knew about all the uh, experimental uh, musicians and concrete yeah. Uh, genres. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll give you the history. My first album was uh, Third Eye Blinds. Oh yeah, uh, nice. Charmed Life, and I remember that. That's nice. my first it's album. It's a pretty good like, album. This part, there's, there's a lot going on in that album. Like, I was like, this is mine. You know? Yeah. Wow. Um, I think I had Jagged Little Pill. I had, you know, I was a yeah. product of of the environment. Whatever was on the radio. Yes. And uh, so it wasn't until I got, you know, I, I had a hit clip. Like I was recording Bone Thug <laughs> nice. songs on an Iowa nice. boombox. Um, I had yeah. a new metal stage. I had two Insane Clown Posse albums, and I would listen to these things. And and you know, you know, you know, when, like when you're maybe if you're young, maybe now, but like you play a song and you hear the part you like, and so you rewind it so you can rehear that part again. Yes, you know, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Um, so it wasn't until I, you know, kind of approaching high school and and searching for music and then i kind of found the cure i found oh, post-punk music found joy vision found bauhaus beautiful these these very you know they made you think they had icy cold sounds and mm -hmm. you know all those like joy division in manchester like like you had martin hannett who i think is really important um mm -hmm. he kind of shaped that sound and, and gave you those ghostly echoes and yeah changed the snare pitch the snares in that way yeah that it's amazing like when, when he you did amazing hear, work in the studio like he made that like that sound you know yeah, when, like when you hear um when you hear like joy division before they were you know recorded or before you know unknown pleasures became like an imprint on a shirt everywhere they uh they were just a noisy fast sloppy punk band was, you know, yeah, they're like Warsaw, exactly. How you know they go in with Martin Hannett, who had all these kind of like King Tubby dub setups and, mm -hmm. and these echo rooms and these 
um, and he just kind of t- tamed their sound. Do you ever see a 24-hour party, people? Yeah, I have seen that. There's like yeah. the there's literally a scene in that where I, they, he's like going, he's like, no, we're gonna do it like this. And I remember being like, ah, that's awesome. They're actually paying tribute to that that he did mm-hmm. that. There's like a whole scene in the film when they when he, they show him like how he's right. like doing things. And I really appreciate. But yeah, so he it's super important figure in the in the world of like sound design and that like sound design that he sort of pioneered. It's mm-hmm. it's still used today, like constantly it's by all the newer cold waves. You know, yeah, and that's what I like about it. You know, he would use these almost boutique machines by today's standards. Mm. And, mm, yeah. um, you know, he would just set like a very subtle delay, like a very subtle reverb somewhere. Or he would, you know, he would take the bass guitar and put the frequency in the mid range and then take the guitar and put the frequency all the way in the treble. And so, you know, it's, you just have all this space you're working with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to the, to your question, um, you know, that's when I started incorporating you know kind of a, a feeling or a personality with music it was like the cure like the yeah. cure has always been like a back pocket like i just love i've always loved that group um, yeah, absolutely and even when i do vocal takes you know there's times where i try to put on that like that cockney robert smith you know british accent and um, very fun you know love that. Love but that. that yeah that was me too what uh kind of encompassed you know what i am now so then let me ask you, when did you decide to start making your own music? When did you think, you know what, I, I want to contribute something to the, uh, the I want to make something too. I want to I want to represent myself through this medium as well. Right. It's kind of a, a like a birth and death and rebirth of that. Of, um, I was on. always involved with stuff growing up. You know, I, I went to piano, uh, took piano lessons from a very strict lady named Linda Kennedy. Um, and so Shout like I... I knew music, and then once I, you know, I was in that tunnel of post-punk music, and, um, you know, I was hearing groups uh, like, you know, I was hearing kind of tape-based music, and and people just kind of, you know, like the DIY sound, or Joe Meek, you know, um, just get something to record and see see what you can do. Um, So I used that Fostex machine. I think it was like my mother's boyfriend's at the time. And I just kind of took it over, you know, and the that's when I was just like, you know, I had a, I had an electronic drum machine from Ion, awful product. Um, I had a micro Korg, you know, I had very standard, like you walk micro Korg is oh, what yeah, you get. The green one start, right? with the vocoder. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. That's what you start because that's like the one that's like it's not too expensive. You know yeah. that other bands are using it. It's your entryway into the synthesizer world. I think so yeah, many people. You walk into a guitar, like a guitar center, or a music shop, and you're like, "Oh, like this is what they have. Like, get me that and that." Yeah, yes. exactly. I can't. I think everybody was buying a microcorg back in like the uh, early in the mid, early right. in the mid two thousands. I mean, I still have mine. I still use it pretty frequently. Like, so I'm looking I, at. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's, I mean, I've sold it, you know, but uh, uh, it's, I'm never going to sell it because Bruh. it's like first one I bought. Yeah, it's, uh, he's doing it on screen. I, I was recording with that, that stuff. And then yeah. I remember hearing, and I, you know, I think he gets flown over a bit with vaporwave discussions, but I remember hearing Panda Bear's person pitch. Oh, and, that um, really very, does very should not be vapor. blown over at all. And I was very important. I, I came this close to bringing up Animal time. Collective earlier when you mentioned people at Experiment Live, but I was like, nah. Yeah, I don't know much about Animal Collective, but that Panda Bear album, man. Yeah, very, very seminal. 
Well, it's just, you know, because I, I had that little phase with Joe Meek, and I was like, oh, I want to sound overly compressed like Joe Meek. Mm. You know, so so that album's on the platforms. You can find it. You know, I hid it for a while, but eventually put it up because enough people were asking about it. But if you listen to the first Spent Passions, 2005 to nine. You hear that. You hear the microcorg. You kind of hear nice. me saying, like, oh, I want to record music and you know, whatever I was listening to at the time. Um, but it was it was person pitch that, you know, I was like, this person is is taking, you know, perfect samples, you know, of, of you know, Joe Meek albums or of, of surf rock songs or Scott Walker songs and kind of contextualizing them in his own way and, and adding these, like, these kind of Brian Wilson, you know, four freshmen top end harmonies over it and and so I bought a SP four oh four and this was in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It was kind of a new product. Um and I you know, I started sampling a bunch of stuff and I was kind of uh alien to the legal systems and stuff like that around it then. Uh but yeah, sampling, um that was pretty much it. That first album, that's how I found found the sound. Mm. And uh, I eventually lost all that stuff. Uh, uh-huh. you know, oh, that no. guy left. He took his Fostex. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the sampler I got had some problems. So I kind of, the way I found my 18 karat fair sound was just necessity. I had a VCR machine, mm. you know, and you can record audio to a VCR machine. I had a, uh, you know, I had a little micro cassette player. And so I would just continued the idea. Um, and I just started recording the tape and filling tapes up. And I've never stopped. Like, you know, I'll buy a tape. I will fill it up over time. And then I will rearrange what I like about it and try, kind of cut out what I don't like. And then I'll spit it over to... You know the the VCR to master it. Oh my god! And I've always so had that rad. bad habit. Bad habit. Yeah. We are drowning in questions. Thank you oh. to the chat, especially you, Syllabus. Syllabus All wants right. to know if you remember the first thing or song you sampled. No, I don't. Um, probably like probably something juvenile, like. Um, you like recording like be like that from three doors down like recording like the chorus like over and over again on a cassette to laugh with my friends Mm -hmm. um but no i can't that's a good question (laughs) i i don't know what the first thing i captured so to speak was it was probably um just like a jingle i do a lot of that I'll, I'll, i'll play something on a keyboard and i'll just loop and affect it you know Oh, this was before I got into tape looping and things like that. Syllabus would also like to know, what do you do when you're feeling creatively dry? I just think. I take a break. I don't touch things. I, you know, I don't, I don't try to force a creativity. I just sit in the sun. I, uh, you know, talk to friends, talk to family. Uh, just search for things, search for inspiration, be it a, you know... I find a lot of inspiration in old programming. Um, mm-hmm. We're just going through tapes, going to Goodwills, finding a bunch of tapes. Any particular you know, see, favorites? Seeing what was important, yeah. Seeing what was important to someone at some time and what, finding like a way to to catch that emotion. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually, it all kind of comes back and you just continue. 
I like that. I like looking for things and trying to find something that captures an emotion and a feeling from the past. You know what I mean? This little relic of sound or or an image or video or whatever that was important to somebody and that's because it's charged with that energy. You know it what is. I mean? You know what I mean? Palpable. So it's um it's interesting to study it and to uh, to you know sort of like possess this uh, this this strange artifact. You know what I mean? And pay tribute to it and 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 become and become inspired by it. You know what I mean? It's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, I went to uh, the first tape machine I got was in. Uh... I shouldn't say the first. I had that micro cassette machine, but those are very limited. You can press record, and that is that. Wow. Uh-huh. But this one, um, I was in Chicago visiting a friend, and we went to this uh, like flea market, and there was a guy who had all these tape machines, and um, there was this big General Electric one, and you know, I was like, "How much do you want for that?" He's like, five bucks." He couldn't care, yeah. so I bought it, and I, I was like, awesome. "It's probably broken." That probably doesn't work. And uh, I got back home and I turned it all on. I had to find like a power adapter for it and it worked and I turned it on. And it was an, it was a three-hour tape reel of, of 911 calls. Oh, so it belonged, wow. it belonged to uh, the Chicago police in a district. And it was just the operator switchboard of, you know, you'd hear a bleep. And then it would be, you know, a 911 operator, and there'd just be people talking, talking. What? And, uh, wow. What a curious world to uh-huh. it's a strange accidentally, accidentally revive. And, like, what's really fun about that is, like, it's such a curious world that mm-hmm. you literally revived back into reality. You right. know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, you kind of get transported. For just a minute like there. And, and you actually, there. like, had to find the, the power adapter. They didn't think it was broken. You bought it for $5, and for $5, $5 you $5. basically produced yourself another dimension to enter into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was just it was something that you just kind of get, you get arrested by. You you know, you hear it, and you're yeah. like, you know what? You always wonder what's next. You know, what's, what's, what's going to call, what's the next call? Fascinating um, stuff. And it's things like that, that over time, like with my music or that first question that was asked, it's things like that, that shape, you know, it's those, it's those happy accidents and discoveries you have that kind of shape how you're thinking, how you're feeling, you know, how, how emotions you want to transcribe or, yeah. you know, there's been certain songs where I've incorporated that tape. I've sampled it. I've, I've, uh, you know, I've included it into a composition normally very subtly um wow but that you know and then that's kind of what sprung kind of a mad you know i was like i i want to find more tape machines like Mm -hmm. any tape thing i can find i want to i want to get it um and so i just started using tapes kind of exclusively i I just would get tape machines i would read about people that use tapes i'd figure out ways to loop it that's how i found terry riley and lamont young and um, well, so that's always, kind of what brought you into discovering those people was, was your, your curiosity about other artists that were experimenting that were using fashion. tape, yeah, yeah with tapes. you know, damn, and, and tape, you know, when you like the Skaters or early, those early like four million alias Ferraro albums, um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you know, those things were happening then, and like True. the early Ariel Pink stuff, and so it just was kind of like this freedom of like you don't need, uh, like I don't need Pro Tools, like I don't, I don't need all this stuff, like I don't need right. all these these systems just get a tape machine you know turn it on and record things and it's kind of funny you know like i'll make an album that has you know 30 songs but you know you don't hear the other like 60 terrible ones 
you know, that right. were dancing around those 30 that kind of worked. And could yeah, fit I mean, your most recent that. album is, is, is pretty long. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy it. <laughs> it's a great album. What I actually really enjoy about 18 Carat Affair in general is the curiosity. Is the curiosity around experimentation with with the with the tape machines, with sounds, and with ideas, and the whole like struggle to take the curiosity and make it cohesive, and it's a very fun thing. And I remember when you first came out, and I remember, or at least when you first gained prominence, which I guess for me, I mean maybe about 2010, 2011. Yeah. I know a lot of us were around thinking about this new movement and getting grouped together by other people and. You know, like trying to figure out like what the whole aesthetic would be, what the sound would be, what the what the vibe would be in general. And in my opinion, and I've said I've said this to you personally, I'm like, well, I think that 18 Carat Affair is the guy who nailed it down. And I thought that whatever he was doing was exactly what we were all looking to create in in our own different ways. You know what I mean? But there's like this this curiosity about the uh, the textures and the curiosity about like these interesting ideas and sim- mm-hmm. secret worlds. You know what I mean? Very and those secret worlds can be anything from a nostalgia. To you know, an un- to an unimagined world, to like mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of feelings and emotions, but they're secret worlds, and you know what I mean. And it's putting a spotlight on the secret worlds and filtering them through these interesting sound textures, and then choosing the imagery to so go along with it. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, that's 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 the guy. He's doing it right. He's got the idea. Yeah. He's, and I'm like, Absolutely. he invented this, and he invented this whole thing, and uh, or at least gave it a um, gave it a gave it a gave it a scene because you I know think what I mean? it was. Yeah. It was just a parallel mindset, I think, of a handful of people who were kind of coming together on, on similar conceptual um, ideas. So when, I, when I think of Vaporwave, like when I think of an origin, so to speak. Yeah, go for it. I'd like to hear your like, yeah, there's, a, there's an artist named John Oswald who, mm-hmm. who would uh, just decimate. Um, you know, like the term plunder phonics came from him. He, mm. he would just you know no holds barred just grab whatever you know he he would grab whatever top 40 hits there were and he mm. would just dice them into just thousands of, of digital samples mm. and put them together Sick. and in, into an, an impossible to recreate um interesting just check his albums out just you know youtube john oswald i mean the guy was just doing stuff you know long before you know the echo jams and the uh you know the the kind of hypnotic new age looping that, yeah, that's become. Um, but I think what I did to to wear that mask of, of early vaporwave was um, I came across these tapes, these early fashion tapes. Um, you know, in the late '80s, there was companies like IB Diffusion, Members Only, Willowware, and the way they would sell their products is they would make these VHS tapes, and they would just everyone looked good, everyone had good makeup on, like their outfits were amazing. And they would be these 20 minute videos of just people looking good with good commissioned music. Not nothing you'd hear on the radio. It was just a very, it was an instant aesthetic. Like posed just for that tape. It was an instant aesthetic. It was like, oh wow. Like, you know, when you think about the eighties and you think about fashion and you think about the makeup and the music and, and the exuberance of it, like these things condensed it all into 20 minutes and these companies would make one for fall. They'd make one for spring, summer. Um, and so I got my hand on one. Literally instant aesthetic. You're right. Yeah, I got my hand on right. one. It was IB Diffusion, and using my little tape machine, you know, I took influence from that fashion tape and the music that was on it. And mm. I was like, I'm gonna make something like this, you know. So Perfection. the first album, 
the first thing that kind of went into the 18 karat affair sound was an EP called North Cruise Boulevard, mm-hmm. which was just kind of, again, it, it was it was finding a concept in like a Miami. It was like a still frame I had in a video of like Miami gotcha. that was being filmed, and it just had a look, like it had a feeling, like the neon lights, um, and so it was creating music almost as a, a soundtrack to that image, mm-hmm. and when I got those fashion tapes, that's when I was like, okay. And so 6040 was pretty much that. And the first thing I put out was I copied those. I had a, I had an A to B VCR recorder. And oh, so really? I could only find five tapes. They didn't look pretty. They weren't, you know, purple with cool art. I just took five tapes I could and I recorded the album on those. And so there's five tapes of 6040 VHS tapes that I gave to Love Garden Record Store in Lawrence, Kansas. Really? And they're out there somewhere. And I go to Discogs <laughs> and I try to find them and I can never find them. I can't, like, no matter how hard I, fi- I try, nobody That's has a one. That's right there. One comes forward. Um, but they're not purple. They're not, no, they just a lot look of purple like, in that early 18 like, Carat Affair catalog. Yeah, like, if you went into a Goodwill and you just saw a black nameless. VHS tape that could be it. Unreal. Um, How? What? I went to Lawrence one time to see a Silver Mount Zion, and I missed out big uh-huh. time. Yeah, and Lawrence. It's time to go back. It was just my environment at the time, but that you know re- the the record store they had there was kind of the like you went to that one uh, out of anyone in Kansas City because it had the most options. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were willing to sell it. They were like, oh yeah, we'll sell it. You know, we'll buy these off you for. Uh, I think they gave me like. 20 bucks for them because there was only five and they didn't think they'd sell them and uh, again it's just a pure mystery there's five of them out there it's like wonka's golden ticket that's so um, fucking cool you but heard I, it on hot takes i took the i transferred the songs and that's what 6040 is so 6040 the album the it, the, the imagery of it is from that ib diffusion fashion catalog you know and the sounds were all the songs were all recorded to kind of fit that mood, to fit that theme. And so I think when I was doing that, you had other artists that were doing similar things of taking concepts and, and trying to soundtrack an image, trying to soundtrack a mindset. Yeah. Um, Perfect. So I see what you mean with that, Chris. You know, it's. Yeah. And I kind of kept that theme. I did Gorgeous Fantasy. You know, I worked. I just loved that aesthetic of. Of you know, we have to sell our we have to sell our oversized jackets. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make um, like let's make the most like quick, fast paced, kind of beautiful fashion catalog mm-hmm. videos we could. Yeah, um, and I just this took is a life. Yeah, it's like this is a lifestyle. Like, like yeah, yeah, actually, it's Aesthetic. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Yeah. There was a guy Pretty named Mister. So. No- there was a guy named Mister Nonsense who was one of the early blogs. You probably remember him, maybe. Yeah, uh, Matteo uh, Capieri, who was uh, yeah, who did Mister Nonsense, which is I was I thought was like a very important blog slash like Facebook group because he ran that chill wave lo-fi hypnagogic pop Facebook group, and you'd always repost videos from you know all the all of the, all those early early people. And he, I remember him getting interviewed one time and him saying like, "This is a new genre. There's a new like thing happening." And he's like, "It takes a lot of like uh, influence from other things prior to it, but it is its own thing." And he said, "I don't know what to call it yet." He's like, "It is a lifestyle type of music, right. though." And like, I remember, yeah. I just don't think he meant to, he didn't he probably meant to use the word aesthetic, but it just no one had said that yet, really. Yeah, 
Yeah. Very arresting. Mateo Copieri, if uh, Mr. Nonsense uh, would Didn't love, he go by post-chillwave-surfer, or am I misremembering? Who what? Didn't he go by post-chillwave-surfer, or am I mis- misremembering? I don't remember. I do remember he ran that Facebook group, and I do remember he was Mr. Nonsense. I do remember putting out like the Symposium Volume 1. Yes. Uh, you know, Iconic. Uh, thing, which was great. Chillwave. Yeah. But it was Shout like, we didn't know what else did. Well, the reason I feel like the group was called Chillwave Glo-Fi Hypnagogic Pop was like, well, we didn't have the new word yet. So no. just put all three of those we together. We talked about that like, the other night. Whatever we this is, it's supposed to be something different, but just put all three of these things together and like eventually we'll figure right. out the real word for all of it. Uh, but anyway, um, you know what? I want to get to one thing. We've been talking a lot about tape machines. Now, I think that's one thing interesting is that you're recording all this stuff directly into tape. You don't use Ableton. You're not using these. Uh, you're not using a a. a um... Those are those early albums were. You know, it was a. It wasn't so strict with tape as the recent ones have been. Really. Um, yeah, like the, like the, you know again I was kind of transitioning from. Of course. You know, a lot like loving uh, person pitch. Um, you know, so the yeah, so sixty forty. A lot of that is recorded. I used an. Uh, I used a Juno rest in peace i used a juno 6 for a lot of that stuff um i had a beat up lindrum 2 lm2 um another thing that's a rest in peace instrument uh it was just so weird because at one point that like nobody wanted that stuff nobody wanted it nobody wanted a lindrum you know you you could go online and you could get them for 95 dollars Oh yeah, um, for sure. You, know, you could get it for nothing, and now you know people are like, "Yeah, this is it, man! Like two thousand dollars." Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot of the the early, like the first three, four albums, there, you know, was, a lot of it was just live. It was recorded to tape. Um, some of the samples were intentional to loop. Um, uh, most of them, and how it's been throughout a lot of albums, is you know, again, I, I will just fill up tapes. I'll. I'll fill up tapes and then I will I will go through them. I'll find what works. You know, I might speed something up or slow it down. Of course. Um, with like a pitch knob on a task cam. Um, so it's weird like how there's elements, there's things that I was, I can't tell now. Like people will reach out and they'll be like, what's the sample in this song? And I can't tell them because it's like, I was just filling sounds up on a tape and i don't know what was playing i don't know when that was recorded i don't know if it's a remnant of a song that was overlapped or overdubbed Mm -hmm. Uh, but if it catches my ear i'll incorporate it into an album um so 60 60, 40 uh, gorgeous fantasy you know those initial like all purple fashion covered albums were kind of a blend of of live stuff um some sampling but yeah all of it was going to a um, a Yamaha MTX four track. Thank you for the donation, Doctor. I Cornwall. do like the fact. I like your approach to the point of um, you're filling up the tape, and you're not being as cognizant aware of the tools that you're using to do it. And I think that does sort of connect you into the process a little bit more ironically by being disconnected to the process. You know what I mean? You're just filling it up, you're playing what feels, and then you can't even, can't even remember exactly what you did after it's all done. And so it's it's an interesting way to go back and look at it too. It's you know, a bad habit. It. It's a bad, bad habit. habit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people will be like, oh, how do you get that sound? Like, what are you using? And I have to tell them like, like I'm doing what you shouldn't be doing. Like I'm, right. you know, I'm like the amount of, of songs that I've like, like I've just felt really good, you know, while it was recording, and then yeah. I, you know, um, 
there's a power connection. There's a power drop in the cable, so you hear a 60 cycle hum. Or like the amount of great songs that have been destroyed by reckless recording. <laughs> um, it's sad, you know. And maybe one of these days I'll I'll put them together and and you know put it out as a hits and misses. But hits and misses for your Patreon. <laughs> I like that. We got a question that kind of kind of works with that that was from way back mm-hmm. earlier in the chat. Somebody wants to know if your workflow has changed over the years. It's a and good question. So, how um, has it changed? More things get it's become more refined. I've found the tape machines I like to work with. I've found a uh, you know, I still use tapes. I still use VCRs. I still use the same process, but I know what I'm doing. Like I've worked in that bad habit so long that I know how to fine tune it a bit gotcha. um, and I've tried I've tried um, using Ableton I've tried I tried going a digital route and there's you know I just appreciate the immediacy of, of pressing record and playing something or just seeing where it takes you whereas with Ableton sure you can do that but you're kind of in a box you know you have to you have to click on right. something you have to arm a track you have to you know, you have to make sure when something clips, you have to say, well, why is it clipping? And you have to add a limiter and you have to. Uh, and it's really ironic because I went to I went to college um, in engineering mm. and, and, and a jazz program in Kansas City. Wow. And so, you know, my my instructor and the studio head studio engineer at the time, you know, he's no longer here. But, you know, he would always just be disappointed because. You know, I, I, I learned how to use like all these systems and, and record in the box and use Pro Tools and, you know, live track big bands and things like that. And he would just scratch his head when I was like, yeah, like, like now bounce that to the four track uh, two inch cassette. And, you know, and they would always be like, why are you doing that? Like digital is better, man. You know, uh, Chaz jokingly asked earlier what your favorite VST was. Um. I used a, when my Juno went out, I used like an Uno. It was like Tau Uno. Gotcha. I don't know if people know what I'm talking about, but it's one of the hundreds of, of Juno 6 emulations. And it's pretty close. You can tell, like the Juno 6 has a very magic square wave. Like it, like the just the square wave and the chorus button. Um, Sorry about that. I just lost my internet. It's, all it's good. very interesting. You. Like when oh, I think okay. about... Uh, just connect to my phone. Point Never's early Juno albums, like he would use yes. a lot of that just like square and chorus. And it right. just has a weird, it's just got a magic tone to it. Uh, it came I, close. I you know, VSTs sound. are close, but you have to um, you have to make up for it. You like you have to saturate it, you have to put it on something. You can't just if you just record it, it sounds you know, the inconsistency is perfect. There. Well, I think that's the difference. Like people argue a lot about older instruments, or like like the, the original 808 compared to the Behringer 808, and I think a lot of the times people just don't think that you know electronics age and they get mm-hmm. dusty and they their circuits bleed. Um, mm. Like I used a, a Yamaha CS70M, and it's so old um, that the circuitry is just busted. I mean, it's got this very floaty, I think Boards of Canada use one. Yeah. Um, and it's got this very woozy, it does what it wants. So like when you play a chord, it, it ha- like there's so I much noise that. in the electronics that 
it bleeds and bends and and drops the audio and, you know and i think that is working delicious. with instruments like that like late 70s instruments that are on their way out with old electronics kind of have an immediate magic sound to them yeah that's interesting you know that the decay gives it a lot of character and i like the idea of it does what it wants you know oh, yeah. and you're working you're working you with leave it up to the, the, uh, the instrument I want to say soft you know, the is with... I'm sorry. Yeah. You guys, well, you, guys are, you guys are hearing Chris, right? Just making sure. Thumbs up in the chat yeah, if you I... guys hear Chris. You hear me talking? Yes, I hear you. Okay. Sorry, you dropped for a second. We're good now. Oh. Uh, soft Replica had a question. Um, if you didn't do music, what medium do you think you'd use to express your artistic vision? And do you uh, make probably, other types of art? Uh, probably video. Um, kind of what I'm using now. Um, you know, I've always just loved... I've always, you know, watched those like old MTV videos or, or Sesame Street. Um, you know, it's kind of hazy. Like, how do they get that? How do they, right. they animate? How do they uh, do things like that? So I'd probably... I'd probably learn a bit more with animation and... and try to figure out how I could use um, that as a medium instead of just music, which I kind of do now, and I did with the crystal ball video. But, yes. you know, it's it's very crude, very crude editing. It's just it's just like the music. It's, it's just abrupt clips. It's abrupt tape splicing. Um, <laughs> you know, that's... Gotcha. One thing I will say to people is, is if you're if you're confident, if, if you if you like what you're doing, you know, let let people give you an opinion, but just smile with it. Um, you know, the amount of times I've heard like, oh well, well like the, these songs are too short, where people DM me like this song that was, was brought up is in the nice, chat. but it's only ten seconds. You know, dot dot dot. Um, you know, so on these last three albums, I just did more of that. You know, um, <laughs> it's fun to have a track with 30 songs that are just little ideas instead mm -hmm. of, you know, just tearing your hair out and, and uh, you know, making five what you think are perfect songs and, and hoping that they catch on to a demographic and, and things like that. So just be true. If, if you like the sound you're making, if you're comfortable in your idea, you know, just live in that and be comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Wise that's words. very good advice for everybody. Hmm. Um, and Rail wants to know what was in your briefcase when you performed at Electronicon 2. Yeah. It's a mystery. Can't tell you. <laughs> Never saw it. No, it was a... Uh, I had a, an OP1. Very short-lived oh, life with an OP1. One. Um, from Teenage Engineering. And I had a Octatrack, which is the equivalent of brain surgery. Um, I hate the Octatrack. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, I knew the problem is with I don't play live shows because of these methods I've described to everyone. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. Like the like the lyrics to my songs are on the spot sung. I don't wow. write them down. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a recall function, and so I would have to listen to the songs and, you know, there's some words that don't even exist. Um, and it's something I've always loved from like the Cocktoo Twins. It's like you don't need words; yeah. you just you need an emotion, you need harmony, yeah. and you need you, you know 
just create something. You need um, yeah, the emotion, so the hurry. It's almost I kind of had people a, don't know a, the words. A panic energy when you know George right. is like, you know, play these shows. It's gonna be the biggest gathering. And I had to figure out like, what can I bring? Because I don't want to just bring, you know, I'm not a laptop guy. So what can I do? Right. Yeah. Um, my SP404 has been dead for a long time. So I bought yeah. the Octatrack and I had to learn it in two weeks. And, uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I, you know, I went through the tapes. I went through some of them were MP3s because I couldn't, I didn't have the tape, like original recordings. And I just sequenced, you know, like I, these are the songs people like or they reach out about, you know, I'll try to make it work. And I just used the briefcase because it all fit. It was easy. It was clean. It was iconic is what it was. Yeah. And it's also another thing I took from Throbbing Gristle. Um, You know, Throbbing Gristle, when they would play their shows in the 70s, it was four people all with their own briefcase. And people always wondered, like, what the hell is in that briefcase? Oh, that's really fascinating that that's what that is kind of almost a callback to or or homage to. Wow, I didn't know that. It's a, you know, they all have briefcases and what's fun with them is, is Chris Carter, the guy who did a lot of like the keyboard stuff. Um, he's a pretty smart dude, but he, he developed machines for all of them that they call gristleizers, which is pretty much so cool. It's just an endless LFO that can cut through audio. Like it just eats you alive. If you hear a throbbing gristle song called hamburger lady, uh, the vocals, Yeah, the vocals, there's a trumpet. Everyone is using a gristalizer. It's it sounds considered like, it's like one of the darkest songs of all yeah, time. And it's just them using like their briefcases of custom, you know, wow. mysterious gear. And so I tried to implement that for the show. Oh my god. <laughs> Too cool. That's fascinating. What if what an interesting you know, I didn't know that that that, that uh, yeah, and it makes so much sense now that you mentioned earlier about the throbbing crystal influence in general, and mm. uh, I love that. I love that um, that that little uh, you know like slight homage as well, and it completely works with the aesthetic of what you're doing also. So uh, it it flew by, little, you know. We, it's again, not, I played a handful of shows like in Midwest, very small, low yes. key, and it's what's really fascinating with like I, I don't market myself. Um, I just try to, again, it's just the expectation. I I, I did an album called Vintage Romance, and I... Beautiful. Uh, I worked Stunning. with a label, an imprint. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big label. Um, and I love the people that, you know, that would email me and I, and kind of discuss the idea of it. But that's kind yeah. of when I got the first taste and distaste of 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 music labels of mm. like like for me like when i completed body devil um the minute it was done i put it out you know or yes. I, I try i think i found a date to align the release of it and i put it out and i've always done that you know like i created this i love it give it to the people you know but with a label yeah. you kind of get stiff-armed you get uh you know they're like well let's find the song that's gonna really you know get people excited uh, uh. You know, and right. so they, they put out a, a, they look for a single, you know, the most, the most, the something that can fit commercially the best. And then, you know, like you'll give a label an album you're excited to put out and then they'll be like, we're going to put this out in six months. 
and right you mentioned that earlier that's pretty part and then particularly for someone like you who enjoys the immediacy of creation you know what i mean (laughs) you know it's like being spun around before you hit a pinata of just like okay like what's the single gonna be uh what you know Mm -hmm. like you know like you should really put out a video like you should plug the album you should uh you kind of just get handled and um yeah sometimes i wonder you know when certain groups go to labels not not labels that are 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 you know kind of like family related uh like i think of 100 percent electronica and they're doing an amazing job and george is a smart guy Shout out 100p. Um, but, yes. but yeah but when you when you deal with these big labels man or or, or these people who are just uh people who don't you know, understand the world well they're, we, they they understand their world, world. Um, right you know, they understand they, their world they, I mean, they understand, understand our world they understand excel charts you know they understand yes. um they understand probability they understand forecasting and then they try to take people and and you know they try to make a commodity out of their creations and uh right it works for some people you know but it's not for me and, um so i had to fight to get that album back i still don't have oh, too no. much control over you know where it's at or what it's doing oh but... you you had to fight to get the album back really so this was this a little was the whole thing yeah, so it wasn't a whole I'm noticing a reoccurring just, theme. It was me realizing, like, hey, like I didn't upload this. Like, I have no power to pull it. Like, it, it right. was on a platform, and I had to be like, could we do something about this? You know, uh, you have to I ask permission um, to have a control over your creation. And again, that works for some people. You know, labels do a great job at kind of like if you fit if you if your songs hit a demographic well, like they do a great job at, at putting you out in front of people. Um, right. But to me, it's too personal of a process. It's too, you know, I still kind of like those early albums, wonder who's going to hear the album. That's how I try to keep my ears. Instead of saying, like, I hope people like this, you know, I still, it's a degree of selfishness. But, you know, you just put out what you like, and it's it's different when it's a business model. Yeah, no, elegantly said. So you would probably, do you think you would ever work with a label again like that? No. No. Yeah, I imagine that was probably not a good experience. It wasn't a bad not one. rewarding. Just, you know, like it's, it's, to not have control over something you've devised is an interesting feeling. Especially something so intimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a uh, recurring question. Many people have asked. They want to know in the chat what your favorite VHS is or possibly favorite movie. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a tape of Hao Su. Oh, nice. Um, that is just, every time I play it, it just gets eaten up and eaten up. And so you get... Oh, no. You get, you get, you get, you get tape drops in it now. You get, um, you know... I also have a, a movie I love um, called Meet the Hollowheads, also known okay. as Life on the Edge. Um, oh, that's a that's a very it's hard, interesting it's film. It's hard to find. I think there's some bootleg companies that have put it out, but gotcha. I mean, that tape is so old, and uh, it's just uh, it's like a lot of the set design was done by like Memphis Milano designers in the late mm. '80s. Um, the music is bizarre. Um, I think it was a Fairlight. You know, you kind of like you know, like Liquid Sky. Oh like, yeah, we talked just, about that on literally the last episode. I think it's just like a bizarre, um, 
like you just can't look away from it and it's got yeah all these 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 actors you you've seen kind of as smaller roles throughout films you know in the 80s yeah. uh, juliet lewis is in that movie. juliet lewis yeah right and, um, i mean it's a good one i think it's on youtube it's called meet the hollow heads check it out yeah it's it's okay. all like a, it's it's it was all I've done not seen by it. like I think the guy out. who directed it was like a big like special effects guy. So the whole thing is just really just bizarre imagery about like a, a family yeah. in like in like a cartoonish version of the future that's right. like very sort of eerie. Lux linked it. I, thank I you. Had Lux. To- oh, thank you, Lux. She's I had shit. I did I've gone through many cult film phases in my days of like mm-hmm. in particular when I was younger, just trying to find all these like strange films. And I definitely have come across. I definitely had a torrent of it a long time right. ago from Pirate nice. Bay and such. I mean, what's what I love about like How Sue or, or or House, you know, as as the the guy who directed it was uh, he he did car commercials, like he did commercial work. Okay, and so he was very used to, you know, I have twenty five seconds to get this idea across, um, and so kind of learning about that and and kind of rewatching it you know with friends or with company you see that you see that um that element which is also you know kind of like with body double or the very quick transitions of ideas um it's just you know something i love about that film where you know it, it has a certain pace and then it almost gets cut up into endless just changing themes changing music you know in a in a rate that you're not used to in films um but those those are my the ones i own those are my two how soon meet the hollow heads um i i worry i have to transfer them soon so they don't get eaten up that's phenomenal that would be tragic please do (laughs) and then float me a zip file of each one yeah yeah Do you find a lot of influence in film in general or, or interest or cult films in general or these sort of like strange, obscure, experimental movies that are just like strange little, little blips in the whole film filmography world? Um, I find a, a lot of more so from like documentary, um, documentary based things like all the National Geographic documentaries. Right. You know, they just every 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 year they exist, they change. They you know the tape, the, the magnet on the tape gets weaker, and so it becomes, um, it becomes like a familiar. Like I think about that with like Boards of Canada's music. Yeah. It's, is is you know it's a it's a codex of all these things that have existed, um, documenting yeah. uh, nature, documenting reality, mm-hmm. documenting cults, documenting. Um, so yeah, I get a lot of influence from documented reality. You ever seen uh, the Hellstrom Chronicle? No, I have not. You should watch the Hellstrom Chronicle. The Hellstrom Chronicle is actually a documentary about the behaviors of insects, but mm-hmm. it's actually told from the perspective of a man who believes that insects are going to take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. And it's like done like deathly seriously. Yeah, it's from like 1971. Damn. It's like, I am not crazy. People have thought yeah, my ideas are strange, 70, but they'll all see. Um... Oh the my 70s god! Are special, like the seventies, like seventy-four to seventy-nine. Yes, they were very yeah. because Dennis. you had so many things. Uh, you just had synthesis coming out, so a lot of TV mm. studios were using like EMS, like VCS threes, and like I think of the PBS logo um, mm. with the three faces. Um, you know, they they just all have this almost. I think there's like a, a group of people 
who rate them on how like terrifying they are. Like, like have you seen that? <laughs> really? Like, I am like, the spirit oh, I... of lonely water video. It's like a British mm-hmm. PSA from like the sixties. Yeah. That's the kind of vibe that I get. Yeah, and so you know, if you find something, and it's it's weird how I always thought this stuff would be around forever. Like, I always thought I could always go into a Goodwill and find a TV. I could always go into Goodwill and find a VCR. Oh, and it seems right. like they're you know they're just becoming more stale and more stale and you know um it, it's always around but it's something to remember you know like the the past eventually finds itself you know buried or collectible and then all of a sudden you're paying you know two hundred dollars for a vhs tape that mm-hmm. at one point was 99 cents uh, unbelievable I remember yeah. when they I deconditioned love, I love films. them in I love, I love the trauma films. I love... Uh, oh, interesting. There's yeah. a film called Deadbeat at Dawn. You know, there's... Um, I love movies, but influence comes kind of more from from just strange emotional connections to, to documented reality or mm-hmm. um, things like that. I love yeah, that. Uh, yeah, no. I definitely think you should check out Hellstrom Chronicles. Yeah, that's point. right up your alley. Do you ever watch any of these... Um, there was like a whole period in like the like the beginning of the 80s too which were all about like the fallout from nuclear war and they had these really mm-hmm. horrifyingly dark films yeah. like there's one i'm thinking of called protect Testament. and survive yes yes yeah. uh-huh. uh, things like that yeah where you can yeah absolutely and so like i've learned through watching those like how to get the sounds like like how right. to you if you just overload your output and you hit a certain size of tape you know, it gives you, you know, it sounds just like an aged machine. And what's so fun about using tape is you it varies with your year. So if you get a cassette, if you get a VHS tape, whatever the medium is from 1982, you're getting that many years of artifact. You're getting that many mm-hmm. years of sound that's going to have its own wow and flutter and decay to the tape. Um so it's really bizarre when you you take a clean sound even from a vst if you take a clean sound and you put it onto an old tape it's you know it, it sounds completely different and that's always been right you know uh, a big influence and in technique in the music mm-hmm. this is why i always thought that vaporwave made so much sense being released on cassette in the first place yeah mm-hmm. true 18K, since you are interested in kind of outsider or just more, you know, experimental art, do you feel like there is any such thing as objectively bad art? Interesting question. No. Um, I think there's, uh, I think there's polarities. I think there's, uh, you know, someone finds something very fascinating, whereas uh, somebody doesn't have a polarization towards that. When I think of uh, when I think of like big, you know, dubstep based things uh, where the, the, you know, the DJ mixing board might be plugged in. Um, right. <laughs> you know, some people love that. They, they, they live in that culture. They love it and they appreciate it. You know, to me, I smile about it, you know, just because I'm so disconnected. I'm not on that side of the, the table. Um, mm-hmm. But to call it bad... Um, it's just too subjective, you know. Yeah. Um, when I think of like like the the group the Shags and their yeah. album philosophy of the world, you know, it's it's always funny how people they're 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 
they're hungry to tell you like listen how bad this is mm-hmm. you know so there's almost a different perspective of of yeah this is doesn't sound good but there's a reason to revisit it you know there's a reason people search for it there's a True. reason you Absolutely. know so i think it's just perspective and i think if you're aware of that you can kind of see the seesaw of it but if not yeah you know you can it's easy to say like oh i hate this i hate that i can't stand it or this is boring or this album's awful Um, it just depends on the on the flip side do you think there is any such thing as objectively good art yeah and again i I think it's the same answer it's just you know how it connects with you as an individual person I mean, the um, thing about all these art forms is whether you you whether you are someone who gravitates towards towards it or not, there's some kind of technique involved in them. And mm-hmm. even if it's not what you connect to, it's, there is actually always something to kind of learn from it if you want yeah. to. You don't have to, but you know, you can look at dubstep and be like, hmm, I don't exactly know how they do this 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 sound right here. It might be interesting to learn how to do it if you wanted to. You know what I mean? There or, or there you are can things there. Understand how they do it, but it's more so the phenomena. It's you you you. It's not understanding the gravitas yeah. of it. Like like why people are out there in their Ray Bans with no shirt, throwing hands up. Um, you know that's yeah. It's almost. Well, I will ba- say, you know, kind of in between on both of these things, I, I think that there's, um, there's again, there's odors where 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 people do things um, as a formula for for uh, something. You know, um, sometimes with vaporwave, I'll hear I'll hear a song like I'll hear a fifth iteration of a song that's been sampled by many people. Yeah, and that's you know it's unique and it's great for that person, but it it kind of becomes stale, you know, it, because it just becomes You're an imitation wrong. of an imitation of a, um, you know, I think a lot of radio music is like that, you know, like Clear Channel, I'm sorry, uh, iHeartRadio, they mm. own every FM frequency and they have yeah. for years, and in the that's 70s. In the 70s, kind of up to the 80s, they banned that. You know, they viewed that as payola. And they were like, you guys are paying to have your artists played. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you're not going to do that anymore. And so when you think about popular popular music in that era, there's a huge, vast ocean of different genres and sounds and influences and accessibility. People had to music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Clear Channel came into business. They found a way around that. And now anytime you listen to like 93.3 the mix like 98.9 the rock like you're you're getting you're hearing music that's a pay-to-play scheme or you're yeah. you know you're you're hearing like it's a chicken and egg analogy like is a song popular because it's popular or is a song popular because it's played um, right well so that's always a difficult thing to figure out you know what i mean yeah and it's hard to tell when it is it's a music business and you know it's the excel guys um and mm-hmm. so it's always a mystery to me how so many art forms exist how so many different musics exist um and you kind of have to dive for them you know and i i've i've always appreciated like band camp and, and things that empower individual people to just create, explore, you know, give you a vast ocean to look for things that you, you find interesting. But I'm a little disappointed that radio, you know, they're playing the top 40 hits, man. Yep. Like, here's that like, song again. 
Oh, I remember when it was just like Adele and Gautier is someone I used to know. Just like endless. Adele is still being played constantly, and it's still the same song occasionally from yeah. like 10, 12 years ago. And you're like, how did this happen? How does how this? It's good. It's commercial. Um, but you know, it create it just creates a it creates like a replica. It creates like kind of like yes. Blade Runner. It creates a replicant of of artificial. You know, and I see kind of with modern social media, like I'll scroll through and just be puzzled how, you know, someone comes out of the blue and they're like, check out, you know, they definitely have money behind them. Check out my new single. Like it's streaming now. Like here's my link tree with 40 links. I'm on iHeartRadio, you oh, know, and it's, I mean, it's just a vapid pop song, but yeah, there's a machine I mean, behind them, you know, telling you this is good. Like this is what people like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, and you're it's right. A dichotomy. You say- most of these people do have money behind them. Like most of the big pop artists, they come from money already. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least their parents like, do. Like I remember like Frank Javs had made some posts on Twitter. It's like, want to hack to get into the music industry? Be wealthy. Come from right. have wealthy parents. Their parents have a blue yeah. check mark after their Twitter handle. I what, still... what parents are just, you know, like I do know certain artists, um, good friends with one that you know he he just his music hits demographics well like his approach what he's doing and uh you know and he's in that machine and he's doing a good job at it but it's just you know there's such an illusion of like what's real with it that it's like you know like who's doing that in in a correct manner and who's doing it just for the the hype or the uh you know the uh the machine man the machine Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's tough when you're in that world too, because how long can you even stay, you know, part of that machine on the top top gear before you fall down? Yeah. It's stressful too to actually have to approach your music like that and to be a mainstream artist. You know, I can't imagine the pressure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I never had a contract that was like we want, like we want three albums and we want everyone to sell this many units and we want right. And sometimes I think about. You know, groups I love, um, and how you know, kind of like on that fourth album, something changed. And yeah. Sometimes I wonder, you know, how many times that's an AR guy like you, like turn the hat down a bit. Uh, yep. You know, like why don't you you release this as the single, and mm-hmm. you, you know, you kind of enter this um, this handshake with with yeah. your creativity and a model of success and expectation. Well, if you're working in that world where you're you're in the model of success and you're on your fourth album. At some point, you might start thinking, "Oh my God, do I need to start listening to the A and R guys a little bit more? Maybe I should turn that hi hat down." And you know, you might be very concerned about your position as a as an artist who's very successful oh, yeah. and what to do next. Because sometimes it happens to the point like, like ooh, relevancy is a very important thing in that world. You know what I mean, yeah. right? That's also an experimental album, generational, and like the like I think the high water mark of music was like. Like 1987, like contemporary fusion jazz. Um, Hell like yeah. nobody, nobody plays like that anymore. Like <laughs> no, nobody, nobody. Like the chord language, um, or the, even the producers. Then, like hmm. a good example of what you just talked about, like the band Chicago. You know, they just they loved playing their horns and all this stuff. And I think they met with David Foster, who produced a lot of like yacht rock stuff and and ballads for like Celine Dion and. And they came into the studio with like their noisy, you know, sound. And he was like, "No, mm-hmm. he's like, we're not doing no. any." Of this. <laughs> and he of this. turned their entire group into like, like a ballad writing 
machine. Yeah, that's very and interesting. Became, yeah, that's what happened. It was they no, became yeah. huge, and the world loved them. And and today, they're you know they, you see them all old now with like their veneers and the you know their facelifts, and they're just like yeah, and David Foster. Um, you know, so you're right. You know, there is there is conditions where like the producer, the A and R person's feedback is right. But I, I just think you know the yeah, music but, today is not the it doesn't have the the chop it does it doesn't have the it doesn't have the well, sentiments that music used to have it's just it's, kind of what's successful and let's do that. It's hard, you know. The you mentioned an interesting thing about the language of music <laughs> and it is constantly changing and it's so strange to think that there is a time and place for everything and every type of style and every type of way of doing something and once that time and place has has ended, you can never go back. You know what I mean? Like you can really never go back. And you know, some things sometimes ideas come back, mm-hmm. but they don't come back the way you remember them, or they don't come back right. the way that they used to be back then. But like, yeah, all that stuff. Every music we've sure. ever heard from any time period, it will ne- it can never fully come back. Really, you know what I mean? That's kind Damn. of vapor point. wave. Really, it's it's it's, it's yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, again, as mentioned, it's it's like recontextualizing what the idea of of you know uh, like an emotion or a sound or something is and. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the same. Like I think of how shoegaze music in the, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s was always noted as like a scene that celebrated itself. Yes, very and much so. I find that parallel with vaporwave, where you know, if it's the people making it, and and you know, it shows like hot takes and things like this that celebrate and and kind of continue a ledger of of what you know people are doing and and what you know these ideas are you know pop there's just so many subgenres you know i find right oh man vaporwave and uh you know all these titles and i remember you know i remember when Before we had the word <laughs> well you, like right after yeah 50, man 40, so i jumped in with um you know, with with Lux and and Liz and Chaz with SPF yeah. 420, mm-hmm. and that was always like a very good energy. It was just you know everyone had ideas, three. everyone had things to share. Um, yeah. You know, we would hop into like turntable FM rooms, and you would just hear people take songs and and bend them to their will and their idea, and it was just an, always an exciting thing of. You know, it was kind of like a glass of water. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a specific type of music. There was no genre suitcase to put something in and close. It was yeah. just different ideas from, you know, back to back to back to back. Free reign. Yeah. So I, I always look and, and respect SPF 420 as, a, like, kind Shout of like out a fertile seed of, of what all these different ideas and, and terms like vaporwave and. And different ideologies, I think, came out of the genesis of, of you know, having those shows, having the idea, you know, having the visuals, having the, um, like, the digital streaming shows where you had, like, a visual here and you had the artist there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Much I loved mean, SPF 420. Indeed. Shout out. So, you know, the interesting thing about Vaporwave in general is, like, nobody... Nobody really starts with vaporwave. People find themselves in it eventually, and I say that a lot of the people who get into this little world are people who have studied a lot of outsider art artists, a lot of different genres, a lot of different subgenres, and they have taken a lot of the ideas that they found in the other subgenres, and they can kind of coalesce it all into all the ideas they have when they come into this world. 
because like you know they probably like there might be a lot of like all kinds of different subgenres that they know about or strange music cultures that they're aware of and they can even tell you probably like all the artists that you might want to know from that genre they know the good ones and they they're just constantly they're just culture vultures they're constantly trying to find new interesting things and then eventually you just kind of find yourself in vaporwave and it's a a little playground where you can incorporate the different sonic ideas and concepts that you loved from all these different strange genres that you that appeal to you where you were trying to find yourself and find out what your voice is and what your musical style is then you can kind of bring it into this world and kind right. of make up your own rules with it yeah it's yeah it's a it's a push and pull it's 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 that it's like it's like a nomenclature it's a place mm-hmm. and it's also like a uh you know it's like a, it's like a ghostbusters trap where it's like you know, you get vacuumed into a suitcase like that is C-Punk. You know, it just depends on on the uh, tour of it. I love it. Know, or the person yeah. talking or writing or, you know. Um, right. Like I think of, like, I've always loved, like, Christian, uh, like, the 80s smooth R&B, kind of, like, soft rock, breezy Christian music. Like, it's, yeah. it's you know, like, you wouldn't know it's Christian rock by how it sounds. But then when you hear the words, you're like, oh, I see. Right, right, um, yeah. Had me fooled. And how, at one point, you know, it was just like uh, contemporary Christian music. It was CCM, and over time, it's it's called like Zion, you know, like Christian but with an X. Mm-hmm. It's like Zion yacht rock, like mm-hmm. Zion. Uh, oh, well, that's so interesting. it's like it's always old Amy Grant it's always and such something categorizing, you know, sounds and and auditing the little uh, variations. Um, I love genres, and at the same time, I. I'm perplexed by him. Yes. That leads me to a perfect question that was asked not long ago in chat. Somebody said, I know guilty pleasures are nonsense, but could you classify something that might be a guilty pleasure for you? A guilty pleasure for me? A guilty pleasure for you. In any, like, in... I think they meant specifically music, but... Yeah. Let's let's go Uh, anything. What's a guilty pleasure? Um... I mean, I never feel guilty. Just a pleasure. Good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, probably, yeah, the, uh, you know, there's times where I'll, I'll share, like, you know, I've, I've, go- I've gone down some deep rabbit holes with contemporary Christian music. Uh-huh. I grew up in that scene. So it, it's, I, you know, I probably it's know always what you're like, talking about. It's always like a DX7. It's always like a, a, a suspended chord. It's always uh-huh. like, it's got so many tropes in it. Um, but you know, there's times where it's just like I'll love something. And I'll it kind of works, then, doesn't it? And I'll think someone gets it, and so I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll like, I'll share it, and then you know, like my grandmother will like it. You know, right? Uh-huh. That's it. Uh-huh. You know, so it's, uh-huh. it's kind of like a... that's really fun when you go down the rabbit hole so deep that like you don't realize like, oh, this is great, and then you send somebody something, they're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you feel like you are in your own energy. world right now, right? Yeah, because and, you went into this world and you. Yeah, because you've been like surrounded by this this musical world that you that's just you. It's just been your journey, and you worked so hard to find the thing in it that's like, oh, this speaks. This is the this is the mm-hmm. this is the track that's really interesting. I've dug through like dozens of dozens prior to it. I found something, guys. Look what I found, and they're like, well, what? And like, oh, you right. haven't been listening to hundreds of these songs. Through your pearls before, before swine. You you have I mean, you haven't acclimatized yourself. It just depends on like your set and setting, you know. Um, yeah. Like Throbbing Gristle, I love Throbbing Gristle. Um, I, I like like heavy conceptual music, 
Um, but you, you, when, like it's kind of a car test, you know, that kind of like if you get in a car, can you put this on and is, is your car going to be quiet or are people going to enjoy it? Right. Um, and so anything that elicits a silent response, I guess you could say is a, a guilty pleasure to somebody. <laughs> That's a pretty good benchmark or like uh, I, I like the way that, that you uh, I like the way you navigated that question. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> like that well, you know, I mean, I got to keep this chat happy and this is an ex- a bit of an exclusive interview. So, you know, um, we're, we're almost out of time, too. But uh, Pacific Plaza and Lux are very excited to know. If there were, if you were in any right, early, go for it, my guy. If you were in right, any right. early, the early Facebook groups that that they're that they had going on, or did you find the scene kind of after that? I found this scene through, um, through Lux, Liz, and Chaz. Oh my good friends! What a holy um, trifecta! Yeah, um, pretty much through SPF and Turntable. You know, I was kind of just doing my own thing and you know they're i just reached out and got to know them and you know they would say they're doing this or hey hop on here and it kind of gave me a place it was my first introduction to you know logging into something you know since the days of like aol right where you had Mm -hmm. your away message you know everything's always just been you know physical in front of you life or irl as people say i think yes Um, very much so and that was my introduction to like a community of people that had so many great ideas and and indeed we're just on like you could like it was just like a tunnel of inside understanding and inside jokes and inside communication <laughs> where the things that you that no one would be able to understand or the, the, the right. references you would make or the appreciation of of a you know uh, uh, like a Ferraro album that was listened to you know three times under a certain mm-hmm. alias they knew about it and they could have that discussion with you um, and they still do and they still can oh yeah and uh, so yeah that, I don't know about the earlier things than that but SPF 420 and Turntable you know kind of 2010 11 12 um, you know that was I think a lot of great things came out of that. Hell yeah. I imagine you probably were a bit surprised at how well-received your work was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it kind of goes back to that first point I made about, you know, like you, you, if, if you're making music, if you're creating something, if you're creating art, they're just seeds that are, you're planting, you know, the immediacy of success can be an illusion um, you know, when I think of, of, of reissue labels like Numero, or I think of any reissue label, it's like to think that the, the people that are becoming big now or the people who are getting reissues now, you know, at one point, nobody cared, you know, no, like nobody, like nobody cared about all these soul artists. Nobody cared right. about, you know, they were just private press. They were doing their thing. They, they, mm-hmm. they wanted to record something. They, they they had an idea you know they had an emotion and they wanted to play that to people and 30 years later they have success you know um so it's a slow game it's you know i've had music up for a long time and i think more people discover it and more people share it and and you know more people you know thanks to vaporwave i think that it 
it kind of creates a showroom for different artists that are, are doing what we're all doing um, with recontextualizing sound and, and turning right. their mindsets with it. And like, don't get discouraged, you know, just right. see what happens. You never know. Like in 30 years, you, you may hate music, you sold everything. And then you get an email that's like, we found this album you put out in 2022 and we would love to reissue it. Right. Um, you never happens, know what yeah. the future holds. You know, so 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 how what do you think is the future of taste making? Is it I mean, blogs seem like they've kind of died. Is anyone yeah. reading reviews anymore? Is it curators? Is it Spotify? I, mean, I think it's all going to become a technocracy. It's all going to become an oh, information yeah. vortex, and it's all going to mm. become. Um, I think we're going to have kind of a, like a Blade Runner future where where AI is going to start autopiloting a bunch of stuff. And gotcha. people are going to be able to compose MIDI sequences in their mind. I know that sounds silly, um, but I have a feeling that, that technology is just going to become um, bigger and more powerful to the point where, kind of like how social media is today to, mm -hmm. compared to you know, making those connections you know, back in the early 90s or the, the utopias of the mind. Um, it's just going to become a, a system. And who knows yeah. what that looks like. You know, I completely agree with that. Because once again, like I've mentioned this earlier, but we were talking about like, you know, the social media thing and people, you know, everything at your fingertips and people choose to flatten themselves. You know, they choose right. to make sure that their Instagram fits a specific look of specific style. They choose to list three things that are their brand. You know what I mean? Like travel, foodie, lifestyle, like, you know, like shopping. Oh, my God. And the amount of them that will just love it when there is a brand like a clothing brand that's like, hey, can you be one of our brand representatives? And you're like, yeah, of course. Great. Now you just you just sort of like. Like just gave up your personality on the internet just so you could have right. that. See that you're a brand ambassador. Now everything you post, you have to tag that brand in, and say, yeah. "Oh, I love my skirt from whatever the fuck." It's mm -hmm. interesting. We had it is willingly say, give that up. Piss that brand it's different, off. and I see it a lot. You know, like I like big skies. I like quiet areas. Mm -hmm. um, like when I go to the city, when I go to New York City, it's overwhelming, and and. You know, when you're on, uh, like when you're on the subway or you're on a train or you're in Chicago on a CTA, um, you know, like I'll just sit there and you just look around and everyone is in a purse that there's in a monologue, you know, with screens and um, it's, you know, I'm not bitching about it, but it's, it's just, it's an interesting present that the past would not have configured, I'd imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, who knows what the future holds? It's out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it is. unreal. I, I think <laughs> there, there's got to like... be some light in amidst the the din of darkness. I mean, being oh, able to make a song from your mind has got to be pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, much it's... more accessible for the working class. Yeah, you just turn your instruments on and. Um... And you just record, man. You just put it into a loop and, and see what you get. And, you know, luckily I haven't burnt out with the methods yet. Um, mm. Maybe one of these days I'll go pure, like, skirty politi like, meticulous digital. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah. that just seems like a nightmare. Right <laughs> politi that's an yeah, yeah, the best, reference. Probably the best, uh, like, skirty wow. politi's Cupid and Psych, probably the best produced album. 
Oh, I mean, I'd like so. to talk. A it's a very good album. I'm going to go back and listen to that again based on that. I mean, it's a little hello recommendation. Yeah, if, if someone hears it and they're like, oh, no, this is not my cup of tea, but from a stance of music, of, of production, of the sounds, yeah. of the people playing on it, it's, yeah, you know, that's an impressive album. Yeah, interesting. It, it really is. Hmm. Well, you heard it well, on Hot Takes, Scritty Pulitzer. I, uh, yeah, I don't know what the future holds. It's, it's so difficult to understand where this is all heading and how much people are even going to leave their house. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... There's a lot of kids that aren't even getting their driver's license right now because they're just so, oh, I don't know. They're just connected to this this world, this, yeah. this reality. You know, they're just very into this reality. And yeah, um, just uh, like, do you ever revisit know. like when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone? Like watching the YouTube video of that. You know, it's very no, strange. Right. And, Iconic moments and, in time. Yeah, and I know you know. There's like Neuralinks. There's all these companies that are on the verge of finding ways to implant. Um, you know, implant systems into human, you know, Ray Kurzweil wrote a book called The Singularity, and it's kind of all about that. It's just eventually some way technology makes a, uh, an enhanced human, and then it becomes, so, you know, like the iPhone, who's got one and who doesn't? Well, it's just yeah, a I new mean, latitude. Yeah, the iPhone in general, this was an interesting thing, because it's like, did we really, did we ever really need all this technology? This feels right. like it should belong to secret agents who are in, like, Afghanistan and need to contact and, like, find their locations. Mm -hmm. and I use it to look up whatever the fuck I feel like at any moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, the other thing that's just sort of interesting to me is, like, the flattening of people. And, like, I always thought, like, I always thought memes were kind of interesting, because... They would be something that you would show to people cross-culturally and they'd understand the reference. And I thought mm -hmm. that was like a weird way to simplify speech. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, like I almost okay, thought, good point. Like, I thought that was like, oh, this is a really interesting way for people not to think and to just yeah. put something up and get attention for it and to use a very easy thing that can be almost like be seen across different cultures and be understood. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's like, I wonder if memes or these sorts of things are just like, I don't know, maybe that's like the technology from the future trying to uh, speed up its creation by sending things to the past mm -hmm. that won't damage things too much, but might simplify humans a little bit more to be understood. And I don't yeah. know, that's an odd thought. But no, it's, I, I, I realize that's an odd thought. Transcript. It's like, it's yeah. like when, you look at, uh, when you look at like Egyptian cuneiform. Um, yes. You know, in a thousand years, what are people going to be like? Yeah, they would make these, these digital memes. Right. Who knows? Oh my god. <laughs> Gentlemen, it brings me great displeasure to have to admit that we have five minutes left ah, for the broadcast okay. tonight. So we out. like to wrap things out, uh, 18K, with a shout-out section where you get the floor to uh, really say anything you want, promote, shout somebody out, anything you want. So we're going to start with you. Um, I, don't have, I mean, I'm always working on stuff. Um, I'll try to do it until I die. Um. I'm never going to try to hang Best up news I've heard all day. the process of recording and putting things out. Um, and if I have to shout out anything, it would just be the, you know, the community of people that are in this, this discussion um, to you guys for having me on here and kind of putting a, like a, a meaning to, you know, me playing around with, with stuff and making recordings over all these years. Um, you know, I'm, I appreciate the community and all the people that find interest and share it and talk about it and and put mindsets to things. And uh, you know, it's the only reason you, that 
my music and other people's music lives on is through the culture and discussion of it. So mm. I'm just shouting out the community and absolutely SPF 420, uh, Liz, Chaz, um, Lux, you know, um, I'm glad that I met them when I did, and I'm glad that I can always reach out and, just, and speak with them. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love it. Of course, you have a new, you have an album you recently released also. Yeah, I put out Body Double. Um, to, um, just kind of a drop. <laughs> like, here it is. Like, right. yeah. where, where can we get it? Where can we pay you nope. for it? Just digital, baby. It, digital. Like, it, it, just like 6040. Um, just Hell yeah. digital. We got a. Um, I'm sure we'll have. I a wanted link to do a mater- uh, physical release, but with all the Thank illusions you, going on with supply chains and yeah. um, stuff like that, I, I just didn't have the options I wanted on it. So, right. um, eventually, all the things that were digital will become uh, artifacts for people to hold. Um, yeah. And yes, I'm slowly indeed. working on that. I'm working on some. Uh, clothing. I'm working on some merchandise. Oh, I'm doing ooh. a lot of wow. I would love some 18K and merch. trying to uh, kind of come back from a long period where I was just thinking day in and day out. So um, All right. look forward to it. Love to see that. Chris, you got something you want to shout out? Sure. Uh, I got uh, the uh, Doom Trip, uh, new Doom Trip uh compilation is just been fully well i believe it's just been fully funded now right uh anyhow that's a vinyl release it's gonna feature songs from myself and luxury elites and eyeliner and vape error and discoholic and fiber and many other people so you know the doom trip compilations always a big deal when they come out every year this is no exception it's an excellent one we're all told to bring our a-game to make people dance so yes. you will enjoy this when it's released. Oh, and Skylar Spence also on it as well. That's right. Oh, yeah. And uh, you will enjoy it. It's coming out soon, and I believe it's almost fully funded. So check it out. It's going to be a good one. Uh, aside from that, you Thank can, you, of Lux. course, I've got some uh, remixes coming out. One for Be Careful, one for Patch Notes. I just have to finish those up, but they'll oh, be out yeah. soon. You can, of course, get Glows and Melts on vinyl from Needle Juice Records. And there's the link in the chat for that. And you can, of course, get my ambient side project, uh, Polymath Vampire, out on Business Casual on cassette. And that is the link for that. And that's cassette as well. And um, if you want to, yep, Close the Melts is all about my 20s. And Polymath Vampire is all about death, life, and existence. So there you go. Hell yeah. Any, any live- oh, wait. And also, of course, uh, July 31st is, is uh, the um, show, uh, the uh, you know, Circuit Zero. They're going yeah, on tour. Buddy. Obviously, Syrup and a, and a Hero and Be Careful and Van Gogh. And I'll be joining them for the Philadelphia date that they play on uh, July 31st. So Sick. check it out. Please Plays do. Some live stuff. Hell yeah, man. I'm participating in that, too. Oh, the, oh, wait, one more thing. And Terminally Chill NorCal is, I believe, Terminally this chill. weekend. with, uh, And that's going to be uh, you know, Terminally Chill, of course, being the Vaporwave dance party that I founded. Uh, this will be this is the Northern California edition. 
and that is going to be in Sacramento at the Golden Bear, and will of course feature Fantacat, the manager and DJ yeah. over at no at Terminally Chill NorCal, and Frank Jabsy will be the other DJ for that one. So it'll be a fun show. Hell yeah! Okay, I'm good. Show That's out. Good. So, uh. Real, real, real quick before we wrap it up, um, I got a, a live stream event uh, I'm participating in in July 23, put together by my buddy Jink, featuring in Rail and a handful of other awesome people. It's going to be uh, a good time. Uh, the um, event is called. Let me see. Let me come back to that one um, because I can't remember what it's called, unfortunately. But on the 30th, we've got a little ad running after the show for the Coast to Coast Collective live stream, um, participating with uh, Patch Notes, uh, Luxury Noise, Simple Syrup, uh, some other great people uh, with a 20-minute deconstructed club set that I sent to them. Um, got to live events for Circuit Zero in Lexington and Chicago, baby. So come out uh, August 3 in Lexington, August 6 in Chicago. Uh, it's got a stacked lineup in Chicago. Um, so definitely get, be there for a hero, simple syrup, Van Gogh, and be careful. Uh, going to be working with Autograph in late August after Electronicon. Autograph is coming through Lexington and Nashville. So I'm going to open for him along with, um, it's not been announced yet, but I'm pretty sure it's okay to mention Robert Beatty and Gene Vomit Terror are going to be performing nice. with, uh, with Autograph in Lexington. So I'm going to DJ between sets. Um, and then of course, um, it's not been announced, but uh, you and I might be doing some work together at some point. We will be, yes. So that'll be very, very exciting. Keep your ear to the ground. Uh, I just got back from Nashville playing for uh, Vaporium Nashville with uh, iClick. That was that was hella cool. Um, and I'm playing the tape swap, of course. If you're going to Electronicon New York, make sure to try to be there. Um, you know, uh, it's been sort of announced, so I don't want to, like, you know, say it a whole lot for fear of saying anything that may not be set in stone. But if you're going to Electronicon, you really should consider showing up a day or two early and then staying a day or two late. It's going to be lit. Um, And then all that to say, most importantly, thank you guys all for tuning in. Thank you, Chris, again, for being my co-host. Thank you, 18K, for agreeing to this interview. Uh, it's been like the highlight of 2022. Um, <laughs> I, you, think I'm ex- you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Um, if you guys feel so led, if the spirit moves you, hit that donate link, uh, all donations. This is a totally DIY outfit. If you hadn't figured it out, we make no money. We're not Twitch affiliates. We do not monetize any donation. goes straight to equipment upgrades and commissioning our friends for, for art for the show going right back to the community. So hit that link. We appreciate it in advance. Uh, help us spread the word. Um, and get your friends to tune in, man. It's good times. You'll see this episode on YouTube in the next few days and on podcasting services as well. And uh, if you like hot takes, tune in again the next couple weeks, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash hot takes vapor. Um, Dennis, thank you so much for being our acclaimed yes, guest tonight. It's always a pleasure. We yeah, love you very much, me. and we Appreciate love for it. what you did for the community. You guys, tune in next time um, and, uh, and wish, didn't, wish Dennis a wonderful good night. That's hot takes. Thank you.